Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Quantum Woman. My name is Shamina Taylor, and you guys are in for an amazing treat. I have the most special guest ever to be our number one first guest on the show, and her name is Rebecca Zung. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. So happy to be here with you. Um, I want you guys to know who Rebecca is. You probably heard me mention her throughout some of my podcasts and whatnot. Rebecca Zung is one of the the top 1% of attorney, attorneys in the nation. Okay, that is huge. Having been recognized by the US News World Report as the best lawyer in America and as a legal elite by Trend Magazine and recognized by her peers and the judici- judiciary as AV pre- pre- preeminent rated in family law. Okay, there's a lot of things and this is like all gets into like all the the things about her, but I want you to know this is that she's got 40 million views on YouTube and she is the go-to expert on YouTube and wherever else on uh, narcissism. And I'll tell you a little bit about how I found Rebecca. I was on there looking at um, different videos about narcissism because I was also working on breaking a pattern with myself. And I saw this lady come through the feed and you know how they say the suggestion to watch later. And I just started watching her videos and I'm like, oh my gosh, my mom needs to watch her because my mom was going through a divorce at the time. And Rebecca also being an attorney, I mean, I just absolutely um, resonated with what she was saying. And I was at a mastermind or an event in September of last year. And I remember walking through this where they were having a, a party and this woman walked by me and I'm like, wait a minute, you're like the narcissist expert. And I just stopped her in her tracks and I'm like, I know you. And it's literally <laughs> been a friendship since then. And yeah. honestly, I have met so many powerful women in this industry. And I've got to tell you, Rebecca is on my top top five about women who are in abundance, who are really in this to help change the world. Like she, Her heart is serving in such a big way. And I really feel it'll do you a service to listen to this episode. Definitely go check her out, but uh, we're going to get started. So Rebecca, um, how did you get to become uh, a narcissist expert? Cause I know it's not in your relationship and I know it was in the, uh, in your, in your uh, law firm at the time that you were working is where you became very aware of, um, you know, uh, wh- what a narcissist is. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, uh, when I was a kid, I was like pretending like Ken was a narcissist when I was playing Barbies or something, you know, it's not like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do when I'm a, when I'm a grown up, you know? Um, and honestly, even when I was practicing law, I did high net worth divorce law for 20 years. It, it's not even like that word was thrown around all that much until the last couple of years. It, you know, I, I had another divorce attorney friend and we used to joke that our next book was going to be called My Husband is Controlling My Wife is Crazy because that's what they all used to say. I mean, um, it, it, it wasn't really all that um, prominent um, of a word until the last couple of years. Um, so it really wasn't until a few years ago, I merged my practice with, I had a very, very high end practice, you know, the go-to practice in that area. And I was just really wanting to do other entrepreneurial things. I knew it was more of an entrepreneur at heart. And so I went into a number of different entrepreneurial endeavors and in one of those endeavors, I got involved with somebody in a business partnership who turned out to be a covert narcissist. And the person was actually a female. And 
Um, I didn't know that narcissists could be women. I didn't know what a covert narcissist was. I just knew that the experience for me was extremely traumatic, extremely painful. And this was after I had built a massive, huge, very successful law practice. And I'm telling you, and I was only in this relationship for, you know, a year at the most. And it was so awful. It it actually brought back feelings of when I had been bullied as a kid. Uh, And I mean, it sent me back to therapy, all this stuff that I, you know, even after I had long thought that I had been on the other side of all of that, you know, and so I tell people all of this because, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what station you are in life, narcissists can get your hooks into you because they don't seek out the person who has very little value. They seek out the people who have so much value and, you know, they, they're opportunists, right? You know, that's what they want. They don't want the clearance rack. They want somebody who I value. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And they're extremely, extremely good at what they do. And uh, it was uh, extremely, extremely traumatic for me. And so painful that it sent me down this path of reading and learning and researching and doing all this stuff about narcissism for myself for my own healing. And at the time I was still practicing law. And so I started going, well, wait a minute, I could actually apply this to my cases. And so I actually started seeing massive movement all of a sudden in my cases. And that was when I was, it was like, I had discovered penicillin. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, look at these narcissists actually moving and being motivated to settle. And that was when I realized I was actually onto something. So they're they're, they're litigious. I found narcissists. Like every, every narcissist that I've ever encountered are, are in multiple lawsuits. It's just, well, yeah. And and, and, in fact, it's interesting that you bring that up because, and you know, you're an attorney, um, but one of the, I just finished my new book, uh, which is actually in pre-order now, mm-hmm. which people can go to slaythebully.com and check I out love that. Pre, pre-order because the book is called Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win. And actually Chris Voss wrote the foreword for my book. Um, but um, the, um, the, here's an interesting statistic that I found. I knew when I was practicing law that probably 85% of the cases settled and 15% of the cases ended up going to court. And, you know, it was like, I could never figure out why 85% of the cases settled, 15% of the cases would go to trial. And it was like, you know, almost like clockwork. And, but then I found out through doing my research that roughly 15% of the population are narcissists. Mm. And I thought, I really don't think that that's an accident. 
that those two numbers happen to line up. And here's why. There's something that drives narcissists called narcissistic supply. And narcissists are, well, let me just define a narcissist, you know, kind of um, in lay terms. A narcissist is a person who feels, and I always try to make sure I emphasize the word feel because all people have inherent value, but a, a, a narcissist feels like they don't have inherent value. They, are, they feel totally and completely empty inside. And because they feel that way, they have to try to get all of their sense of value from external sources. And so there's two different, and that they call that narcissistic supply, right? There's two different forms of narcissistic supply. It's diamond level supply, which is what I, I, these are my terms, diamond level supply, which is how they look to the world. And that's their best form. That's the form that they will protect and defend at any cost, at any cost at the cost of their children, at the cost of loved ones, at the cost of anything. How they look to the world is more important to them than absolutely anything. And so this could be prestige, it could be money, it could be power, it could be, you know, whatever it is, but how it's how they look to the world. And then there's what I call the dark underbelly of narcissistic supply, which is not the side that they necessarily show everybody, but is also very, very important to them, which is controlling people, devaluing people, manipulating people, you know, that, that building themselves up through pushing other people down. So in whatever form that is, it could be physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, whatever it is. And so there's those two different layers of narcissistic supply. Both are very, very important to them, but when push comes to shove, they will let go of the coal level supply if, if it means that this diamond level supply is being threatened. Mm. So in a negotiation, you know, my slay methodology, which is strategy, leverage, anticipate, view you meaning focusing on you being on the offensive and your mindset, you have to build a, a form of leverage or many different forms of leverage such that you're threatening a form of supply that's more important to them to keep than the supply that they get from jerking you around. Otherwise, you're never going to be out of it because they want to keep both. They want to keep both. They're so greedy. They're like vultures. They're like, they're always in starvation mode. They're always in scarcity mode. So they need it all. And, and so the, the myth, the problem is that when most people are negotiating or most people are dealing with narcissists, they're only focusing on, they want to win. They're only focusing over here. They're forgetting about this. And, 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 and that, it, that myth is totally wrong. So people so, should go after the diamond supply? You need to create leverage. Leverage. You can't, you, can't actually, you can't actually do something with it though, because if you do, then your leverage is gone. Because if you, actually, if you actually 
you know, obliterate it, then your leverage is gone. So that's, that's really the dance that you have to do, right? What would you suggest someone does if they're trying to leverage that supply? Let's say if they're in negotiations with a narcissist, like what would, what would be your number two tactic, the two tactics that they could use? Well, I mean, there's, there's a number, a number of other things that you can do as well, because you always have to keep in mind that they, that their ego is, is so, so important to them, how they look, you know, so you can also build a strategy around making it seem like they came up with the way to, to settle it, or they came up with the way to make it, you know, um, so that, you know, you know, so that you look like you lost in some way or something like that, or that, that, you know, you wanted something so badly that you didn't even want it at all. And that, that they took it from you, you know, so you have to kind of play this game with them or, you know, I, I, do I, I was there's a, another um, kind of strategy I call it fluff or favor vomit later, which <laughs> is kind of you where you fluff up their ego in order to get something that you want, and then you know you vomit later, right? Because who really cares? So like there's a whole bunch of different strategies that you can use, but you have to understand that this is what you're dealing with, and you have to take your ego out of it. Ah, so no. to negotiate with a narcissist, you've got to be basically smarter and realize what you're negotiating with and like, but take your emotions out of the situation so that you can, you know, be more tactical is what you're saying, have more strategies in order to deal with, because they're like basically in like children, right? We're dealing with like their emotional levels, what, what, but an eight, sometimes eight years old, what you're dealing with narcissists, right? Is that usually, or do you know what the, the, the level is? I mean, you're not dealing with a grown person here. You're dealing with someone who's behaving like a child, right? Correct. And in fact, I know you do a lot with emotional mastery and that sort of thing, which is, um, I'm really glad that you brought this up because it, it is somewhere in that range. And, um, you know, I actually saw somewhere where there was a neuroscientist that talked about how emotional mastery is actually the most important skill that any human being could ever have, which I thought was really, really interesting, which I think is true. But um, uh, in my research, I found that what happened with narcissists is that during their childhood, they were exposed to trauma on a regular basis. And what happens with narcissists is that, well, with all humans, is that when we are exposed to trauma, our brains dump chemicals into our bodies so that we can fight or, 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 or flight. Right. And so it's cortisol, it's epinephrine, it's adrenaline or whatever it is. And then if that happens on a regular basis, it can cause damage to the brain. It can actually cause arrested development in the limbic system, part of the brain. Right. So and it, which is, which is what, you know, where the emotions are housed. And so what happens with narcissists then is that they do get stuck in that whatever age it was that they were. And so then as they grow older, yes, the neocortex, the, you know, the other part of the brain continues to develop, but when they're presented with stimuli that causes them to feel like they are 
in that survival mode again. And it could be any kind of stimuli. It could be, you know, uh, an eye roll. It could be a tone. It could be nothing that you, you perceive to be, you know, uh, uh, some kind of something, but to them, it's a something, but any perceived slight, then that limbic system, part of their brain kicks in and takes back over and it's called splitting. I mean, they literally are in that part of their, their brain again, and that's it. That's it. And sometimes it's rage that takes it over at that oh, point. Yeah. Um, and that's what you're dealing with. And so when you're negotiating with somebody who is in that state, you're, you're not two re regular reasonable people who are sitting across from each other, having a conversation. This is a person who is not looking to come to a regular solution. No. This is a person who's looking to take you down. This is a person who is willing to take themselves down to mm -hmm. take you down. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, they're like not thinking rationally. No, resolution is not one of their top things. Like saying, I'm sorry, moving on from it. They just want you to be in suffering. Like, you know, let's, let's, how do you put you into basically put them here and put you like, put you them higher than you. So they have that, like, you know, that hierarchy or that control. What would you say is if somebody was going through a negotiation with a narcissist, like what can they do to, for their own selves? Like, how do they stay? Cause it's gotta be emotionally draining. I mean, for your clients and people you've worked with, what is the best um, self-care? What can they do to protect themselves as process without, cause they're getting basically re-traumatized many times. And many of them probably haven't gone and done the deep work yet because they're in the they're in the moment of actually breaking free from them from, you know, a, you say it was a divorce or whatnot, or how are you breaking free from that relationship? How do they take care of themselves so they can stay on the right track where they don't feel like it's them and they keep the process going? Yeah. Good questions. Good questions. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a divorce. It could be, you know, like with me, right. it was a business partnership. Right. And I'm telling you, even with me in my business partnership, it was, I, I mean, I was in a different city. I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't even, you know, you know, some people it's a work situation. Some people it's a family situation. Definitely. It's not even a, a, a negotiation, but it's, you know, some, a family member or something like that. So I say, step one, don't run step two, make a U-turn step three, break free, because you are literally turning it. The, I, I call it like turning a ship around or something, you know, you're, you're literally trying to turn and make a U-turn so that you can like start to feel like you're on the offensive for a change instead of the defensive constantly. And then you can start to finally start speaking to them and start feeling like you have some power. It's like a power switch. In fact, like one of my new programs is called power switch. I love and, that. um, and then start to finally feel like you can break free, but I, I call it, I call it step one, don't run step two, make a U-turn because I want people to understand, like you weren't conditioned overnight and it's not going to take, you, you know, you can't just turn it around overnight. It's baby steps. So in that first step, that first step, you just want to start to create some boundaries and, and just start to maybe, maybe that first boundary is just to say, I'm not going to be spoken to like that, mm -hmm. you know, just to, just to even just that, just to say to yourself, I'm going to, 
you know, create a boundary of this way of speaking to me does not work for me and, and be okay with that, you know, or, or get up and walk out of the room if, if, if a person is speaking to you disrespectfully and, and let that be your first step because that's okay. You know, if that's okay, if that's your first step, you know, and, and, and forgiving yourself for decisions that you made when you were in survival mode, because the past is the past and you can only start from where you are now. I mean, wherever you are is the jumping off point. Absolutely. I mean, you cannot look back. You, you can only look forward. So that's the first step. And then getting education yeah. and learning that it, it is not you, you know, one of my favorite books is the four agreements. I, I absolutely that. love that book. It is such an easy read. I mean, you can read it in an afternoon and it's four agreements that you make with yourself. And one of the agreements is never to take anything personally, because the way people treat other people is the directly related to the way they feel about themselves. Absolutely. And if people feel good about themselves and they treat people well, and if people feel bad about themselves and they treat people poorly and, you know, so, you know, hurt people, hurt people and narcissists bleed out all over the other people because they treat, because they feel like crap about themselves. And so you cannot take it personally how they have treated you. It's because they just don't like themselves. They hate themselves inside. You know, they can sit around and say they love themselves and they're so great and all that. It's because they're deeply fearful people. Mm -hmm. Truth of the matter is they, they, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. Absolutely. Why would you think that, I mean, those are great, great steps to take. I mean, education's huge. I mean, just go binge on on Rebecca stuff on YouTube and there's other amazing people in there too and read her book. But what, why do you think people are so stuck in such a cycle for so long with them? You hear mm -hmm. people that are, I mean, they, they just, they know they need to leave or they know that this relationship's not serving them. They know that they're, they're, they're not using their voice. Why do you think, I mean, I have my own theories, but why do you think people stay so long and they know they need to leave? So there's something called a trauma bond. Yeah. And Actually, there's a physiological connection in, in a trauma bond. There's a study done by a guy named Robert Sapolsky, who was a psychologist out of Stanford University. And he did a study on monkeys. And these, these monkeys were given a reward every time they did something good. And he then studied the dopamine levels in their brain. And it literally didn't even measure. And then they were given a reward just intermittently if they did something good. And, you know, they didn't know when they were going to get this um, uh, reward. And when that happened, just the anticipation, just like, oh, I might, I might get it. I might get it cause the dopamine levels in their brain to rise to the level of cocaine. So wow. they actually became physiologically addicted addiction 
to, I might get it. They needed it. They needed that hit. It was that push, pull, push, pull, push, pull. And that's what happens when you're in a relationship with a narcissist because they push you all the way to the brink. Like you cannot take one more minute of their emotional abuse and you're out the door and then they suck you back in and, oh, I can't live without you. You know, how could you do this to me? I, you know, and, and the guilt and, and all of that. And then you're sucked back in and, 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 and it's that hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. And, and you're, you're literally physiological, physiologically addicted and, and, and they pick people who have, you know, their own core wounds as well. Absolutely. Like I, you hit both things. This is, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are, if you're listening to my podcast, I've said this before, it's the trauma bonding and it's the addiction. And we get addicted to that cycle of getting that hit from them. And we don't realize like, this is why a lot of women go after the bad boys or they go for the ones that are, you know, the attachment issues where they're avoidant. And you'll see yourself being in that cycle because your own trauma is being attracted to the situation. So if you can get to the root of it, you can get out of the cycle, but it's, it's all comes with a choice, right? Whether or not you want to, you want to end what, what's happening. Um, this is amazing, but I want to find out more about Rebecca. Rebecca is a wealth of knowledge and she's amazing, but there's another side to Rebecca that I think you guys all need to see. And so maybe sometimes she only reserves it for uh, her friends or people on her <laughs> inner circle, but um, she's got such a big heart and she really cares. Now, Rebecca, um, what, what do you feel like your big you know, imprint that you want to leave in the world? I know this is like a big question, but like, I always talk to myself about this all the time. Like if I left the earth tomorrow, like, you know, what is my legacy going to be left behind? And that's how I live every day, to be honest with you, um, to make sure, you know, as Wayne Dyer says, don't let the music die in you. But when you see the work that you're doing or what, it could be even bigger than what this is, but what, what, what does that look like for you? Mm. Oh gosh, good question. I mean, obviously I hope it's my children and my grandchildren doing well and happy and um but on you know, bigger than that, I have created a nonprofit with Lindsay Snyder and uh who is the uh owner of In and Out and Burger and she and I have a vision to provide legal aid for people who um, need it. And our model is different than other people's. Uh, you know, most legal aid, um, you know, around, uh, you, you know, systems around the country, it, it's a beleaguered system. And, and, you know, just so, just to give a little bit of background for people who don't understand how legal aid works, I mean, most people don't realize this, but the constitution provides that you get a lawyer appointed to you in this country if you are a criminal. And that is it. <laughs> you know, so if you're a criminal, you get a lawyer. Anybody else, you're on your own. So there is a massive justice gap in this country because the majority of the people in this country, you know, make, I don't know what the average 
you know, salary is in this country or, you know, average people, what they make, you know, 35,000. I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's not a whole heck of a lot. And, you know, the average savings in this country, I don't know what it is, 2,500. I'm not sure. But the average attorney charges three, four, five hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a hell of a lot. And then, you know, the average retainer, five grand. In, I don't, I don't know, but, um, it's, there's a massive disparity there. And then, you know, so for people who are in dire need of, of things for basic human rights, like keeping their children, keeping their homes, veterans mm -hmm. rights, human trafficking, things like that, um, immigration, you know, I mean, it, it, they're not, there's no, there's no hope for them. That's it. They, they, they don't get the help. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not talking about corporate stuff or whatever. I'm talking about basic human rights. They don't get an attorney unless they try to go to legal aid. Now, here's what legal aid does. Legal aid only takes certain types of cases. There, there are legal aid attorneys who get who have hundreds of cases and they're way underpaid. Way underpaid. So what our model is, is more like a make-a-wish type of a model. And so what we're doing is pairing donors with paid attorneys and actual cases so that people can actually get real help from paid attorneys. And so like, for example, I have a donor right now whose daughter committed suicide because she lost her children to a narcissist in a custody matter. Um, this couple would like to donate funds to somebody who's in a custody battle with a narcissist. Mm. And so we are, you know, we're still in the process of hiring an executive director. In fact, when I get off with you, that's, I'm going to be doing another interview, another set of interviews for an executive director. But once I get that person on board and, you know, we get up and running, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be pairing donors with attorneys and cases so that people can get real help. It's a completely different model um, so that people can get actual legal aid in yeah. this country. I love this. I'm so glad I asked. I didn't know all of this. This is amazing. This is a side of Rebecca. I just, I mean, I love what she does. I used to work for legal aid when I was in law school too. So I know how it is. I mean, people, I mean, just the income alone and, you know, just could kind of, you know, um, um, disqualify people and they're not making that much, you know, and it's just, and it, it's, it's amazing that you're doing that. That to me is beautiful legacy work. Like just because every, I mean, I know for you, I, I can't speak for you, but I'm sure, you know, why I went to law school too, is to, you know, to give people a voice and to, to stand up. Cause you know, I had a bigger voice than others and I'm sure you too. So you're helping others have the voice and the protection at the same time to um, have their rights. So amazing. Um, this has been absolutely amazing, Rebecca. I'm gonna have to have you back again. Cause I really, really enjoyed their conversations. And I want to ask you though, um, cause we talked about this earlier, what book do you feel like um, changed your life? Because you are a wealth of knowledge. Oh, gosh. Um, 
There are so many. I know. I see them behind you right now. I'm a book. I love books. I live, I buy books every week. I buy books. I'm a booker. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say A Woman's Worth by Marianne Williamson. That's a good one. That's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. I read that book when I was about 30. And I absolutely love that book. I mean, Marianne Williamson is amazing. And I, I, I gave that book to both of my daughters. And I just think that that's really powerful, especially if you're a woman. Why? What was the number one takeaway from it? Um, just how powerful we are as women. And she, she referred to women as goddesses and how, I mean, especially because um, I think, you know, as a woman, I, I felt like I grew physically from zero to 20 and then so much from 20 to 30 and just, you know, finding my power and finding my footing and who I was. And, you know, I, I got divorced around that time and I went back to law school around that time. And, I'd had three kids by the time. I mean, I had three kids. I got married at 19. I had three kids by the time I was 22. I got divorced. I went back to law school as a single mom. And I met my husband in law school. We've been married now for 22, I'll be 23 years. We have a fourth. I, I mean, we have one together, but it's my fourth. And so, I, you know, it was just so powerful for me to read that book. And, you know, I, I remember one line in there where she talked about, you know, if people are talking about you behind your back or something, just turn around and smile and say to yourself, I haven't even started yet. Ah, I love it. I give me chills. And on that note, I feel like that is a great way to wrap this up. <laughs> And being that this is the Quantum uh, Woman podcast, we are all about awakening that inner goddess, that inner badass, that inner, you know, you that can have and do and be everything. And Rebecca does reflect that of being, you know, in her and unlocking her quantum woman. And I'm so glad she came here to share what, you know, one woman is doing to change many lives. If anything, when you look at Rebecca, you'll see her story and she just took action and she took action and she wanted to make a change. And she's one woman right now, but she's changing thousands, if not millions of lives at 40, 40 million views. And, um, I, I encourage you guys to go and uh, check her out because she's amazing. Rebecca, let everybody know, um, how they can get in contact with you and reach you and, uh, what's something they should definitely, um, consume of yours. Mm, thank you. Uh, well, definitely pre-order my book at slaythebully.com. I, if you pre-order it, you actually get access to the entire manuscript early and you get all kinds of really cool bonuses as well, including a, a whole program and all kinds of really cool things like $400 worth of bonuses. And if you go to winmynegotiation.com, you get access to a, a free ebook, by the way, um, it's, it's 15 pages. It's my crush, my negotiation prep worksheet. Literally, I think 
close to a hundred thousand people have downloaded wow. that. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing, amazing ebook. And I've had so many people win their negotiations just on that alone. Um, so definitely grab that. And my YouTube channel is youtube.com Rebecca Zung ESQ. And my Instagram is at Rebecca Zung. My website is rebeccazung.com. So my gosh, thank you for coming. This was amazing. And like I, Rebecca set the bar so high and no, no pun there. Um, on, um, having, guests, <laughs> <laughs> having guests on the, the show. two lawyers over here. Right. <laughs> and, um, but I mean, I track powerhouses. I have friends that are powerhouses. This is just how we are, you know, and, and when you, you get the ability to be around a woman, who's a game changer and who is in such abundance, like Rebecca is, I can't say this enough. She's done her work because you'll see someone who's a victimhood, which is a scarcity. Rebecca is a complete opposite of that because she is your, will hype you up. And um, I really feel like you guys need to go all follow her, get what she said, do the things. And um, thank you, Rebecca, again, for, for coming on. We really appreciate you.